Welcome to the Decompression Chamber. I am your host, Andrea, and joining us this week is my former shipmate and still currently in the Navy, Billy Dalrymple. How are you doing today, Billy? I'm, I'm doing very well. Very well. Thank you for um, for letting me participate in this. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for, for coming on. Always excited to uh, to catch up. Sometimes, you know, I just happen to hit record while that happens. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, yeah, Billy and I served over in Bahrain. Uh, I think we were both second classes, or I at least made second class while I was over there. Uh, yeah. Since then, he's gone on to bigger and better things. He is now a chief, right? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. That's correct. So, <laughs> so we are going to get uh, the story on all of that, but uh, we'll start at the beginning. Where are you from? All right. Well, uh, I'm from a pretty big Navy town place called uh, san diego oh yeah um yeah it's where i grew up uh loved it loved growing up there uh everything you wanted to do was there was available sure. to you um of course the weather too and uh oh, yeah. so uh, i grew up there uh, my so uh you know going into the navy was kind of an easy thing for me because uh i, I come from uh, a family of uh of Navy veterans. So, oh, right. uh, you know, if you've ever seen Forrest Gump where, you know, Lieutenant Dan talks about his family being in every war and dying in every war, that's except for the dying part. That's pretty much my <laughs> story. Um, and it's all been enlisted, you know, so okay. my grandfather was in uh, Korea and then my dad uh, was in uh, retired Navy. Uh, my stepdad was in the Navy. Uh, so just wow. everything around me in San Diego was Navy. Uh, so Definitely. for me, it just seemed like the logical thing to do was join the Navy. So that's kind of where I got my start originally uh, in joining the Navy. All right. So great family history of that. All same rate or all over the map? Uh, all over the map. Uh, my my uh, grandfather was a, a YN. Uh, my dad was a uh, DC slash HT engineer okay. type. And then my stepdad was a uh, AB. A B E equipment okay. A B E yeah so all right yep okay and it would, were any of those uh, job fields interested of interest to you when you were thinking about joining or you wanted to do something absolutely completely not <laughs> uh, so uh, when I joined it was uh, I pretty much knew uh, obviously growing up in the Navy I understood the rate structure how the jobs worked in the Navy. Uh, and I just knew I wanted to do uh, security or law enforcement. Uh, I was looking at doing that when I got out of the high school and I was already starting to apply for the uh, sheriff's department in San Diego. Um, nice. So just the Navy kind of, uh, I had to, I had to wait till I was 21 and a half before I could really start to apply. And then the Navy kind of uh, called before I was 21 and, and got me before they could. So um, yeah, security was kind of my uh, first pick, and uh, you know, and that's what worked out well for me. Awesome, awesome. Okay, cool. And uh, so you joined out of San Diego. You go to Great Lakes, just like everybody else. Uh, <laughs> do you remember much about boot camp? Did you have maybe a head start at least with general orders stuff like that, or was it all yeah, totally new? a little bit. You know, I guess they, I still actually have it. They give you that little uh, that little handbook. It's like a little PQS in the back of it. Yeah. So you could get signatures. Um, and I did that uh, before I left. And like I said, I understood the rank structure and all that stuff. Um, uh, the only thing I that kind of surprised me about going to boot camp was just how cold it was. Oh, so yeah. growing up in San Diego, you know, it maybe the coldest it got on a night in December would be like, I don't know, 60, 55 degrees, something like that. Yeah. But I got to great lakes in january where it was negative 20 degrees outside i didn't even know what negative degrees felt like oh yeah uh, so I, I got sick really quickly oh yeah um and As i actually does. thought it was gonna hold me back yeah it, it was it was pretty bad all the shots that i got then i don't think any of them worked or or what but uh yeah, yeah it was that was that was probably the biggest shock to me was just how cold it was um and uh and then yeah so it was very cold that's all i all I really remember from boot camp is just how cold it was. Oh yeah, I well I'm I'm from California, but Northern California, Bay Area originally. So I, I'd go skiing or whatever. So maybe it got down to single digits, maybe, and that's like in the morning before you're really out skiing. 
So right. yeah, like the the cold snaps and Great Lakes are were unlike anything it's I had experienced either. Yeah, it's all day cold there. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, and then the wind. Oh, it's yeah. it's a nightmare. But once you get below about zero, it's all kind of the same anyway. You're just yeah. just frozen solid. It's just a question Miserable. of how long it takes you to be frozen solid. But all right, cool. So uh, obviously you went went there during winter months. <laughs> yeah. Any uh, any stories or anything that sticks out? Life lessons that you learned from boot camp, or it's all just kind of a blur. Glad to be done with it. Uh, so I, I think the 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 thing I tried to the mentality I had was uh, my dad told me that everything you're going to do is wrong. And yeah. initially, you're just going to be wrong, and they're going to yell at you. So, you know, try not to take any of that personally. Just, just keep applying yourself. Don't, don't ever give up on on whatever it is that you're being told to do. You know, just, yeah. just keep going. Um, and I, I don't think I said very many things to my RDCs uh, when I first got there. I just tried to, try to lay low and and just buy out my time. Sure. You know, and, and uh, that. That worked well for about three weeks, and I remember I had a EM1 Bach BACH. Okay, uh, he's kind of a, a short RDC, yeah. uh, but he just had this like mean look on his face all the time. I guess all of them do, but yeah, I, yeah. You know, and we had a, this inspection, and he comes up to me, and he had my like my file out or, or some kind of folder, and he asked if I was going into the MA program the master at arms program you know yeah you know i rogered up to it and he goes well now you're the ship's ma uh so you need to report to ship staff on this day and i was like oh crap you know i just got volunteered for something i i had i had no desire to be a part of yeah yeah and, but it turned out to be the best thing ever because i got out of a lot of beatings you know all the extra pt yes. yeah yeah in the evening i got out of that because of ship staff and i either had watch i had to do or i had to go inventory the cleaning gear locker yeah and so yeah you know and i'd use that as an excuse to get out of a lot of, <laughs> a lot of craziness oh, so sure. that actually worked out pretty well for me that that's probably like the oh and then of course you know when you get your navy ball cap after yes. uh battle stations you know that obviously sticks out to you oh, yeah. uh, just because you know you finally accomplished what it is that they wanted you to do in, in the culmination capstone event so yeah. Uh, those those two things definitely stuck out to me in in, in boot camp. Awesome, awesome. So that you get uh, you graduate, you get your navy ball cap, and then you get the hell out of the cold and go down to <laughs> San Antonio to uh, to yeah. Lackland. Okay. Yep. Uh, so get down to Lackland. I think uh, we're we're at January, February, probably about late March, early April. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is my first time really experiencing humidity. Oh, right. uh, again, San Diego, it's that dry heat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I remember getting to San Antonio and mind you, before joining the Navy, I'd never really shot a firearm before. Oh, I had wow. done some, uh, like some, uh, some shooting with my uh, father-in-law before, before I left. He was a border patrol agent, but I'd oh, never wow. really shot, uh, you know, extensively. So, or definitely never a rifle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... I just remember uh, your first two weeks, or you're kind of in this annexed base where all the gun ranges are, and it's just like these really old, uh, <laughs> terrible barracks. Like we had open bay showers. It was just, it was just a wow. I don't know, just kind of just old barracks, and um, I, yeah, it just I had this really messy roommate. He was a CS student, so he was there for the for the culinary school, and he just never put his stuff away i don't even think the guy showered like i never saw shower like anything like shower shoes like so none of that stuff i wasn't even sure if the guy showered so it was kind of nasty yeah really and I'm like, ah, it's just like ah, this is a terrible uh, experience he'll be preparing your food i mean that's that's comforting <laughs> yeah you would hope the yeah, somebody preparing food would be clean yeah uh, yeah at least a little bit <laughs> Bizarre. Oh man! Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know the CS school was down there, but um... yeah, two thousand four. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure when you joined, but yeah, that was two thousand four. Um, that I was down there, and they they were in the process of building new new barracks for all of the Navy down there, but okay. at the time we were just kind of housed up with the CSs, and it was uh, oh, yeah, it wow. wasn't it wasn't a very good experience uh, in in the older barracks. No, it sounds uh, terrible. So, 
yeah. uh, probably my first, you know, big challenge that I faced in a school was shooting a rifle, which I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have the unique experience of being, um, what, what do they say? They say I'm uh, left eye dominant, but I'm, I'm primarily a right-handed shooter. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you can't really get that uh, cheek weld eye stock thing very well when you're trying to shoot that rifle. And yeah. uh, so I failed. And, you know, I was that one guy when the rest of the class was like in the trailers, just waiting for everybody to qualify. I was that last guy on the range to like five o'clock in the evening, oh, still man. not qualifying. And so they actually held me back. Oh, um, wow. I got pushed back to another to another week um and so what that meant was that i had to stay in those terrible barracks for like another week uh for the for this next class and and go and pretty much restart the whole curriculum over again and it was yeah it was it was terrible (laughs) um but uh in the end it kind of worked out really well for me because i remember that the group of guys that i ended up graduating a school with you know all the guys that got stateside orders ended up going back to San Diego. So I ended up getting orders in, in Coronado okay. um, and where I was from. So I really didn't have to worry about a PCS move. I was already married okay. uh, before I joined the Navy and my wife was like seven months pregnant at the time. So we definitely didn't want to do like a PCS move in the middle of all of that. And so oh, yeah. it really worked out well for us that, uh, um, you know, that, that we were just in that situation. So yeah. it worked out well. For real. Now, I forget, um, going back to shooting with a rifle, now, if your dominant hand and dominant eye are different sides, it's not a big deal for pistol, but you have to learn to shoot weak side, or whatever side is your eye dominant, right? Yeah, so I think ideally, if you're right eye dominant, then typically you're a right-handed shooter, right? and you don't have to lean over as far to try to get that uh, sight picture, but... right. Uh, what I ended up doing was just learning to shoot left-handed with the rifle. Damn. Um, and but it, it really wasn't that bad for me because I'm kind of ambidextrous, anyways. Okay. Um, I, I do a lot of things like athletically. I'm I'm left-handed. I bat left-handed. Sure. I, I could throw a ball. It, so it's kind of weird that I just worked like that, that and it worked out well. Eventually, Good. when I realized that that was my problem, yeah, uh, I just learned to qualify left-handed. Oh, that's kind of nice though, if you think about it, because if you're carrying rifle left-handed you can still be drawing your pistol as you run out of ammo. Like, you're all set. Guys, you know, dual wielding a weapon yeah. somewhat actively if I wanted to, but yeah. Yeah. If, if that push came to shove, but, uh, but that's, <laughs> that's great. So you, you did manage to graduate and by, by virtue of being held back a little bit, you got to, got to get a lovely Coronado next town yeah. over. Uh, how yeah. long were you there for, for your first uh, duty station? I was there for three years, uh, from 2004, 2007. Um, I complained about a lot of stupid stuff when I was there. And now looking back and being in the Navy for 18 years now, I'm like, man, I really had it really good there. Um, yeah, but I just complained about some stupid stuff and, uh, like, like what kind of stuff? Uh, you just, you like, you think everything sucks, you know, when you first, your first duty station, you're like, uh, you know, like, you know, the rules should be you know, as a security guy, you're enforcing all the rules. So you think that, you know, everything needs to be more strict, but in your, in your perception, everything's really laid back. Um, you think that the chain of command doesn't care about you because you're always having to pull extra hours or you're there later or or things like that. And, and you just, it's just expectation management. You're right. You're it's your first duty station and you think you're going to be like, kicking down doors and taking names and really you're just of course that guy checking ids you know at the gate and it, it you know you don't you don't have that expectation set for you um you end up you end up being disappointed a little bit so yeah um but after a little bit of adjustment i got some qualifications that became patrolman qualified um i kind of settled in a little bit better so nice um yeah it was good it was good to work after that yeah yeah well, yeah, once you once you kind of figure out the learning curve and maybe put on a little bit of rank, um, you said that you were there till 2007. Did you pick up rank, petty officer? Yeah, or? yeah I, I picked up third class there, E4. Um, I think that was in 2006 that I picked up E4. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I picked up MA3 
there and then um yeah i was already testing for second class as soon as i got to my next duty station um which was uh i was probably really the next duty station was uh guantanamo bay and joint um joint detention group there with the detainees in in guantanamo bay uh babysitting those guys um and that definitely just kind of shakes your whole uh, worldview um i can imagine yeah, it's just uh, that was very challenging just in the work and having to deal with those guys day in and day out. And, you know, the, you got to maintain like this level of professionalism when you're dealing with them because they're trying to get you so agitated that you end up saying or doing something that could be viewed as, you know, abusive or that could be viewed as oh, yeah. um, mistreatment. And so they're trying to like game you onto that. And, uh, and so you just have to really learn how to, you know, compose yourself and, and just stick to the procedures, stick to um, the, the camp's routine and, and, and doing that. Um, so that was really eye opening for me. Uh, fortunately, I was only there for a year, but I did pick okay. up second class. Like I said, I tested for E5 and picked it up my first time up. Nice. Um, and uh, that was the day that I had to stop cleaning the bathroom showers of the detainees, and I became a block NCO. Right. Uh, so that was, yeah, it was the first time I was able to kind of pull rank as an NCO and, and not have to clean the showers. And, and uh, you can only imagine what cleaning the showers is, is, is like. Um, uh, but <laughs> I'm sure it's a nightmare, but but rank does yeah, have yeah, its yeah. privileges. Um, yeah, it, it did. So no. Yep, and then. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, before you got orders there, before you went down there, did you have to go to um, to C school for, uh, what is it, brig duty or brig uh, school? So, no, you, you, so it's kind of weird. You'd think you'd go to brig school, but th- what they did was they sent me to uh, Gulfport, Mississippi uh, for the expeditionary uh, skill okay. thing. And then they sent, sent us all up as a, as a platoon. Yeah, so they sent us all up to uh, Fort Lewis, Washington, and that's where we got the training on detainee handling. Ah, uh, um, okay. With the army, so the army trained us on how to do detainee handling, which is different than brig correctional right. custody stuff. Um, and so that was that was like I said, that was just a eye-opening experience and having to sure. really deal with those guys on a day in day out kind of basis. For sure. Wow. Okay. Great. Um, so, you, like you said, you pick up E5 while you're down there, and, and mercifully, you're only there for a year. Uh, so that brings us to, what, about 2008? So yep. uh, there's got to be at yeah. least one more duty station before you wind up in Bahrain. So where did they send you yeah. after Gitmo? Uh, so uh, after Gitmo, I extended, I signed an extension for my enlistment contract just to kind of get out of there as, as fast as I could. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up on the uh, USS Dwight D. Eisenhower, which was a aircraft carrier based out of Norfolk, uh, Virginia. Um, so uh, I got there four months right before they left for their first of two deployments. So they were on wow. basically the schedule to do back to back deployments. Wow. And so I, you know, I got these orders. I, in route to there is when I actually went back to Lackland. To mm-hmm. do brig uh, school, so I did get that oh, brig okay. training. Okay. Um, yeah, it was completely different, um, and even brig operations on a carrier with sailors is kind of a, a weird uh, situation because just the brigs don't get used like that anymore. Okay. Um, but I ended up uh, getting all my quals in uh, security. I loved my time on the Ike. Um, yeah. Uh, at right. the time, we only had a. Uh, we had about 15 MAs assigned uh, to the security department. And everybody else was TAD from other departments. Okay. Uh, so within the within you know the core of those MAs, those mastered arms there, um, we had uh, we had a really good crew um, mm-hmm. that just we had our challenges, but we always we were kind of tight together. Uh, just, sure. Uh, we had a really good bond, and and I think that's the experience that a lot of people kind of. Uh, look for in the military when they join is that camaraderie yeah and i definitely experienced i mean i i got that in in, in cuba for sure but uh felt like that was really tight uh on the ship yeah um, yeah absolutely 
Because how many thousands of people are on an aircraft carrier? If you only have oh, 15 man. that you're yeah. really working with, I mean, you, yeah, you do get tight. Uh, so we end up pulling other sailors from other departments to help with security. So you end up underway out to sea, you kind of have probably 30 to 40 sailors and security, but in port, you, you know, you have the vast majority of security duties in port. So you end up drawing about another hundred and hundred sailors from other departments in port. But yeah, for 15 actual rated master at arms uh, on there, um that's kind of just what we had to deal with yeah um and you know we were the watch commanders we were the um the trade training supervisors so we were the ones training uh you know everybody on you know the small arms and on the uh, hand-to-hand stuff um on the ship so that that part i i enjoyed a lot i loved uh, yeah. being line coach and i loved uh helping out in the uh we call it ASF Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a, that part of it was a lot of fun. I, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, being an instructor and having to do that. Well, yeah, and I guess I didn't realize it because I think of a master at arms aboard a ship. I just think, well, they're responsible for rounding up rowdy sailors, throwing them in a, in a cage for however long they need to be there, or uh, maybe overseeing, like, I don't know, restriction or anything handed down in NJP. Yeah. So you don't think about all the beneficial things that that an ma does on a ship and shooting and everything like that um yeah we yeah we still had all those other duties and like i said when you talk about like the uh the non-judicial punishments or the article 15s uh we did all that the master arms did that um for the most part and yeah. so you you've asked how many people we had uh, out to sea with the with the air wing uh it's about five thousand close to six thousand sailors on there Wow. Uh, import it's about three thousand uh so okay. yeah it's it, it's literally a city um yeah. small town yeah yeah just just massive um and somehow probably compacted just a bit more than you know say manhattan d- densities so it's really impressive yeah. um now one one thing i as you're mentioning that that I think about, and I think this punishment just went away in the last couple of years, but as we all remember, E1 to E3, they could go with three days of bread and water. Did you ever yeah. have to administer that as a punishment? Uh, so, I mean, well, obviously the captain administers it, but uh, being the right. brig LPO uh, on my first deployment, uh, our, our CO had a standing policy that if you were E3 in junior mm-hmm. and you were already on restriction, if you missed three restriction musters, you would go to, you know, captain's master article 15 again. And then that time he would just give you three days bread and water. Okay. And that to me seemed like the most like archaic Dragonian yeah, like measure ever. It's, it's <laughs> wild. It's like, you're going to bring back the stocks or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like even going through Briggs school, I was like, yeah, I can't believe we still do this. And you know, the, the 21st century. I know. Um, crazy. But yeah, we had, it was crazy. We had at least, it might have been a little bit more, but we had at least 20 sailors on bread and water that first deployment. Wow. Um, that is way yeah. more than I ever would have guessed. That's uh, so, wild. Yeah, yeah that's, that CO uh, was all about some bread and water and uh, kept us busy for that deployment. Uh, but I'll say, and some of the guys would, would just not eat any. Um, yeah. I remember this one guy, he was an ABH and he was just like, uh, you know, he gets bread three times a day for an hour. Mm-hmm. So he's like, every hour that I get bread, I'm just going to eat as much bread as possible. And I was like, I don't know how healthy that is, but yeah, it's not I, a good strategy, pal. <laughs> Think about and, having uh, to pass that bread later. It's like a tennis yeah, exactly. ball. Exactly. <laughs> no, it just, it just stuffed them up for for days after that, you know. And oh yeah. It's like okay. Yeah. But yeah, fortunately, uh, the the military finally realized that that was a very dragonian measure and just did away with it. So it's like you know, laws you can't believe are on the books. Where it's like if you. <laughs> walk on the left side of the street you're shot in broad daylight like somewhere in georgia and they just like forgot to not take that flaw off the books you're just like wait we yeah. still do this that's yeah. crazy yeah wow so uh, oh go ahead i was just gonna say yeah they did away with it uh, i think uh, 2015 yeah somewhere around. sounds sounds about right yeah because i i 
yeah, at least through the end of my active duty time, they were still still doing that. I would check back periodically. <laughs> Is this still on the? It's still there. Wow. <laughs> It's got to be yeah. a real hellish punishment if you have celiac disease, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know how that would work out. I'm surprised somebody didn't try to claim that, you know, but like I can't get this punishment because I got celiac. And I'm, so now I'm just going to starve for three days. You know? but, uh, yeah, you know. I'm sure they could uh, figure out something. <laughs> get them some gluten free bread. Ugh. <laughs> um, all right. So that. All right. So you're uh, you're on the Ike uh, and you said it was back to back deployment. So how long were the yeah so the first deployment of course we get extended uh because that's just what happens every time uh we got we we went to um uh fifth fleet uh which is the middle east and we were the carrier was supporting um flight operations in afghanistan um wow. for that um so we were we left uh february the end of february and we came back in september wow um yeah so we came back to norfolk in september only to turn around and leave again the following january to do the same deployment we just did wow Um, yeah uh so i mean 2000 this is now uh, 2009 yeah so i was there from 2008 to 2012 so 2009 and then again or 2008 and then again in 2009 uh, were our deployments wow. and that's at the you know the height of uh, Iraqi freedom and enduring freedom um right. in, in the Middle East so yeah it's just very busy for for a carrier oh for sure wow okay so um but then after those back-to-back deployments I mean you're still assigned to the ship you guys are just in port and what's that yeah like? so we we got a little bit of a reprieve from being out to sea and we end up pulling into uh the Norfolk shipyards for, for overhaul, for maintenance. Um, and that, and then, you know, at that point I was like, well, we're, I was supposed to transfer. Um, but I wanted to extend on board because I figured, well, this will at least kind of give me more time with my kids while we're in port, if they'll let me extend. So they allowed me to extend on board. Um, so my three year tour ended up being more closer to four and a half years. Okay. Um, I left to go to Bahrain um in 2012 okay um, yep yeah same same year that i got there um yeah. okay so you know bahrain some some married guys i heard got to be on accompanied orders is that the case for you or it's like uh one no. year gotta be away uh so i uh at that point uh <laughs> back-to-back deployments on top of being unaccompanied in cuba for a year uh, definitely uh caused a, a lot of strain <laughs> Oh on, yeah, on that marriage. As it would uh, so, anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I uh, you know, obviously divorced uh, from that point. Uh, mm. I say obviously, like that happens with everybody. Not necessarily the case, but yeah, it was basically what would be three deployments all within a matter of forty something months. You wow. Know? Um, yeah. That's and so for anyone. Yeah, it just it was it was really tough, and uh, so you know, me and my. Um, ex-wife split up at that point and so i was like well i'm gonna i'm gonna go to bahrain for a year and, and pretty much just pay off all my debt uh and and Smart. and kind of and and just you know i figured well you know from there i'll make a decision if i'm really gonna hang in for the navy for the long haul or if i if this is something i want to do and just get out yeah uh, I, was, I was about reaching that 10 year mark oh or at least I up to about eight or nine years i was like well you know, at 10 years, I really feel like I need to make that decision if I want to just keep pushing through. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's tipping point so, for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went unaccompanied um, and, uh, you know, just, yeah, I was unaccompanied in, in Bahrain. I, yeah. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't remember a lot of our guys being accompanied there. Yeah, I don't think HPU was, but I do know one one guy in particular who brought his family. I was, like, almost confused <laughs> but, why would you do that <laughs> uh well yeah it's you could bring your family in but then you got extended for two years yeah so i yeah, think a lot yeah. of people are just like hey it's a year you know why disrupt the lives of my kids you know taking them to probably you know crap your dodd schools or whatever else <laughs> just leave them stateside and they'll be there right. when i get back you know fingers yeah. crossed 
but not what am I talking about it's like oh no what would I do with my cat if I had to go somewhere for a year like I have no I have no frame of reference people just full disclosure um all right so they they send you over to Bahrain of course you end up in in HPU um did you have any small boat experience or it's just like this is where you're going enjoy uh, yeah I had none so I got to Bahrain um and actually kind of fun fact <laughs> Uh, while I've been doing a lot of uh, line coaching and small arms ranges on the Ike, um, I was originally billeted to go to Bahrain as a SAMI instructor. Oh, nice. Um, so I had to go through a SAMI course. And uh, so I actually, I failed like the easiest part of SAMI course. I failed the shotgun. Oh, wow. And what, what, what really threw me off is, is the difference on how the fleet runs shotgun ranges and how the schoolhouse runs shotgun ranges uh, and I don't, I don't going to the going to the school i didn't know that a shotgun range was timed so you oh. you, you only had three minutes to do this practical weapons course with the shotgun and that just really tripped me up and so i was going through there but i was dro dropping trying to what is it uh uh combat load rounds into the uh, actual chamber of the shotgun i've I dropped like two cases, uh, casings. Oh, and no. so that was 18 pellets that I'd lost. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, I'd gotten through it. I had enough pellets on each of the targets, but I'd done it in three fifteen. Oh, okay. And they dropped me out of the course because I didn't do it under three minutes. Oh. So when I got the ball rain, I didn't have the NDC and they were like, Oh, well, uh, I guess we'll just put you in ops. Um, and I said, so, you know, what can I do to get into Harbor Patrol? I, I haven't done that before and yeah. I've done ops before. I just figured I'd do something different. Yeah. And so they said, well, if you go to the pool on this date, you could test out the second class swim call and qualification. And then, you, you know, you can, once you get that, then we can see about putting you in Harbor. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I got. I was a pretty good swimmer, so I, you know, breezed through the second classroom qual, and then I, that's how I ended up in Harbor. So it worked out really well for me. Nice, nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, of course, with with Harbor, at the very least, to stand on a gun, you got to be two forty qualified. Makes sense. <laughs> um, and then there's like the in-house school to become a coxswain. So, did they they start you at the very beginning, get you called on everything, or just get you called on gun and then worry about coxswain later? You know, I, I was able to just roll right into their next little Cox and Academy um, course thing that they had there. So I was able to get all of that done, plus my 240 qualification. Um, nice. So when I rolled right into Harbor, I was, I, you know, I was ready to go for, for either Cox and or Gunner. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, now, when you did get there, was it, were you at the old compound with the mini necks or like the huge sprawling... <laughs> nightmare oh man so yeah that old compound that was a lot of fun actually but uh it was perfect yeah, yeah it was uh it was it was like the hood but you know we we made it we made it home um well, yeah, that... all the feral cats and everything yes well and the mini next was great it was like a closet that sold choco tacos like what more did you need <laughs> yeah sure yeah and uh yeah definitely i don't know i mean i feel like i bought that place out of monsters but um yeah, it was uh, hey, yeah, with that really terrible furniture in that little lounge. But um, yeah, yeah. So initially, I was there. We had the yeah, we had that little uh, setup, and then uh, like my last three months there, um, we moved into the new compound. Um, okay. And then <laughs> uh, the first like two weeks there, the AC like stopped working. That was a brand new building, and then like the Navy and the contractors were pointing the fingers at each other. So yeah. we had no HD in, in, in the Middle East. And it was like, oh, it was I was crazy. like, I, I just picked up first class. So they're like, oh, well, you're the section leader now. <laughs> um, and so I was never on a boat anymore. And I was like, well, that's kind of sucks the fun out of this. Cause I loved. Oh yeah. Boxing. And, and it was stupid hot inside of a building that didn't have AC. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was, it was it was awful so the first the transition was rough yeah. um and then obviously right before i leave is, is when everything kind of smooths it smooths itself out so 
Yeah. No, but I remember that because at least with the the smaller smaller place, like if you had to get the react boat underway, you had people mm-hmm. in the lounge, you had extra hands, you just run it down the yeah. run it down the, to the jetway and off you go. Whereas like the new compound, it's like, all right, where's the gator? And you know, it's so yeah, freaking yeah. far. It's like someone yeah. didn't think this through. But yeah, yeah. And then it was so so hot, like it was a problem for. Uh, uh, for talk where all the equipment was getting too hot. Yeah. <laughs> like... yep. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about talk. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. That was definitely a challenge. And we, 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 <laughs> we tried to take these huge box fans up there to like point it at the, at the equipment. But meanwhile, the talk operators like sweating their ass off and yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awful. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause the old talk building, even though it was kind of dilapidated or even yeah, like the, the old compound, like, that AC, like you had to wear a fleece. They kept that as yes. like an ice box. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, um, I think the old talk building too also had windows. If I remember right, you could yep. open up the window and kind of get a breeze in there. So. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too wasn't too shabby from from what I recall. So, hmm. um, but yeah. All right, all right. So you you finish out your time there. It sounds like. So let's see. I would have. I because I I remember that year too. Like right after probably moved over there like march april time frame and i was gone for the month of april pretty much and then came back and then i was out of there by like i don't know end of june i think so mm-hmm. you, you must have left like shortly after i did or maybe about the yeah, same time i think i left to august yeah i left to august just as uh, it's getting insanely hot like you yeah, finally right, yeah. managed to dip out yeah. uh yeah. mercy <laughs> so okay so you finally get out of bahrain what uh what's the navy got you doing next uh so then the navy sends me back to norfolk which is where what i wanted because my kids were here Perfect. um yeah it worked out well i ended up at a cyber command at an information warfare command which was really kind of odd for an ma yeah. um and i became like the you know in the navy we call it a chief master at arms Mm-hmm. where you're like the sheriff of the command you know you got to do your analysis you got to do uh, random inspections um so it was kind of operationally the you know it's shore duty it, it wasn't nearly as hectic or crazy as Bahrain was or as cuba was right and so i just i, I come into the shore duty billet and i'm like all right what's next and everyone's like oh it's time to go home and it's like 1300 i'm like what do you mean go home like yeah <laughs> what you know like and it was just kind of this weird culture shock, just that that community operates differently. You know, it's a bunch of uh, ITs and Crippies oh, sure. and CTNs. And uh, I mean, for what they do, you know, they, they have a pretty tremendous job. But, uh, uh, you know, it just that wasn't my community. So it was just yeah. a, a very different, um, um, just different feeling going into work every day i didn't have yeah. a chief that was directly over me so as a first class um yeah i picked up first class right before i left Bahrain, and then i got there as a e6 and uh they're like well this is your only job that you have to do is your analysis and i'm like that's like a part-time thing like yeah yeah that's like a collateral duty at any yeah, command and, <laughs> yeah so i'm like okay is what else do I need to do? And so I sat down with the uh, CMC and he was just like, you know, Hey, we're looking at actually doing away with this billet because it just isn't needed. And there's a whole bunch of organizationally organizational changes coming. And so, you know, whatever you want to do, we'll, we'll allow you to do it, you mm-hmm. know, and even if it's not a traditional MA thing. Yeah. And that's great. And so I was like, okay, um, well, you know, where do you guys need people to do something you know yeah yeah um and he's like well we we need a another career counselor so i ended up being awesome. uh, a career counselor much more than a master of arms and i really enjoyed that i, I loved uh sitting down with sailors and just being like all right here's these programs here's these things available here's what you could do with your career um and uh that kind of just that that kind of took my career to a different level um, cause before sure. I was very operationally active, tactically involved in, 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 in duty sections and what have you. And now I'm, I'm sitting down and actually coaching and leading yeah. sailors, um, 
and so I, I really enjoyed that um, in, a, in a completely different environment. He like said, I, I'd be like on my way home at 1400, but like, I think they're probably going to call me back to work because I shouldn't be leaving work this early. You know? <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, that was kind of just a weird feeling, but I took advantage of the time that they gave me and the opportunities. And uh, I ended up picking up chief uh, from that billet. Oh, fantastic. Um, wow. That yeah, is quick. So, yeah. Uh, so I, it shocked me too. And um, so I was very grateful that I had that opportunity, even though they were quote unquote killing the billet. And even the yeah. detailer told me that it wasn't a career enhancing billet. Oh, wow. um, yeah. But you turned so it into one. Like, so <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, you know, and that's one of my big takeaways that I tell a lot of sailors now. And like, whatever opportunities you are, whatever opportunities you're given, take advantage of it because Absolutely. you don't know what that turns into. You know, maybe that's a job opportunity for when you get out of the Navy, or maybe that's what helps you set yourself apart from others. And that's what gets you promoted, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was like really a, a big takeaway for me to, to be at that, at that duty station yeah. in Norfolk. Oh, that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. And, and how long were you there for again? Three years, three years. Uh, okay. standard three years short duty to owner. Um, and then from there, um, I left in 2016. I got selected for orders to a, to a destroyer, uh, independent duty uh, duties on a destroyer. Okay. Um, uh, so I stuck to sea duty again. And, uh, and that, that was pretty interesting because it was as a pre-commissioning ship. So the ship wasn't built yet. Oh, wow. And we were basically going to start everything. We were going to be the the plank owners of the ship mm -hmm. and start all the programs, start all of the manning. And, yeah. um, wow. and that was, it was, it initially it was very slow because the construction delays of the ship, you know, just kind of keep pushing things back. But uh, you end up going to a couple schools what um, that were available for, for me. And then, um, yeah, and then uh, the commissioning ceremony and the commissioning piece, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I really look back on that, and I'm, I'm grateful. You really get to learn a lot about the ship's namesake. So for me, I went to the uh, USS Thomas Hudner, and it was named after Captain Tom Hudner, who um, just had this really incredible experience uh, when he was in Korea. Mm -hmm. um, and there's actually a movie coming out in, in October called uh, oh, wow. Devotion. Um, okay. So that'll be in the you know main major theater type movie and really what it, what it is 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 he purposely crashes his plane to try to save the life of a down wingman oh, well that wow. down wingman was uh ensign jesse brown he was the first african-american uh pilot in the navy wow yeah so already you know korean war the forgotten war this is you know we still had segregated units you know this mm -hmm. is yeah. At the time when, when the military was really doing away with the segregated units. And um, Captain Thomas Hudner comes from his very wealthy Northeast family, whereas Thomas Brown came from sharecroppers in Mississippi. And it's like the most unlikely of all situations. Yeah. But yet you know, uh, Thomas Hudner ends up crashing his plane to try to save the life of his um, wingman who, get, who got shot down over the Chosen Reservoir. Um, wow. And so just learning that story, I got to meet uh, so those, some of those people and, and Captain Hudner before he passed away and, oh, and Jeffrey Brown's family. And you, you just you don't get that experience in a lot of other ships. Sure. Um, oh, yeah. And, and that was just amazing. It was, it was it, like when you talk to veterans of those foreign wars like that, it, it's just a different type of perspective you get from those people. Mm -hmm. that just makes you really like think about how in in uh insignificant your first world problems are you know oh yeah and, yeah it's a real perspective check like yes. oh yeah never mind and, uh, <laughs> uh, maybe i'm not going to complain about not having ac anymore you know it's just like um yeah it's just a different feeling talking to those guys um Sure. I, you know, and then to hear the stories of what it meant for those Marines on the ground and the and the reservoir fighting, you know, the Chinese and North Koreans in like sub sub zero temperatures, yeah, and um, just terrible situations. But yet, when they heard those jets come overboard or fly over overhead, they they knew, you know, that they had support, and it, it you know, it just it just changed how they fought and 
you hear those type of stories and it's just like from actual like firsthand accounts it's just yes. unbelievably like it's you know speechless the, the kind of heroism and bravery and that was such an awesome experience for me yeah um so when we had the ship's commissioning ceremony in boston which of all places boston's a, a great place to to a very patriotic place um the, uh every every business there uh, opened their doors to us and the oh, uh so captain cool. thomas yeah tom tom hudner was such a huge figure in boston um because he grew up there in massachusetts and falls river Makes sense. and it's just yeah it was it was awesome it was a great time and one of the biggest things i love as we had this breakfast um with the with a bunch of uh medal of honor recipients because captain wow thomas suddenly was a medal of honor recipient so getting to meet these extraordinary americans and just yeah. hearing their stories uh i i ended up uh, sitting down and talking with a a one, one of the first Navy SEALs, Michael Thornton, um, and just hearing his story in Vietnam. And I'm just like, this guy was like pretty much like Forrest Gump. Like he just keeps running into fire, <laughs> wow. you know, to save more people. And then, you know, carrying those people out to sea, you know, mm -hmm. to in hopes of finding a rescue boat. You know, it's just yeah. unbelievable to, to, to hear his story and his, his experience is awesome. Is crazy, and uh, so I was very, very grateful of that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so. Well, yeah, that's incredible because sure. there's, I mean, you know, living Medal of Honor recipients. I mean, there's fewer and fewer, you know, with at least, you know, from prior prior wars. Um, you know, even Vietnam. I mean, it's there's not many many of those veterans left. Um, right. And uh, and then, you know, especially Korea. I mean, for Thomas Hudner. Uh, again, <laughs> pretty, pretty uh, small, small field at that point. So it's really yeah, special. Yeah, like yeah. A, you get a snapshot in time, just kind of for you, to to learn about right. that. Uh, that's awesome. Well, and then yeah, for for that destroyer, if it's commissioned in Boston for you know at least a brief period, you had the newest commissioned Navy ship and the oldest mm -hmm. commissioned Navy ship, right? Right there, yeah, on yeah, one yeah. Quick area, yeah. We got to tour uh, the USS Constitution, um, and and they actually ended up being the color guard for our ceremony. Oh, um, nice. So that was a lot. Of, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I've been to the Constitution twice, so, and again, just you know the history. I, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to the history, and I, I great, great history. I loved it. Absolutely, yeah. good time. Yeah, I've uh, I gotten I've had the fortune of walking past it missed the tours for the day so i gotta i gotta plan a trip up to boston one of these days to to check that out and definitely do the guided tour because they oh, yeah. they become like the sailors become like storytellers like very animated storytellers and it's and it's like it, it's pretty fun they do a really good job of it oh great yeah i i'd love <laughs> i would love to to check that out it's it's definitely on my bucket list so i gotta start planning now rather than later um, but okay. So you're, you're on, on a destroyer. Now you said you're kind of involved in the buildup and commissioning and everything else. Do you actually go underway with this ship or your orders yeah. are up by then? Oh yeah. No. Uh, so when you do the pre-commissioning, um, the pre-commissioning orders, your time on board doesn't start to crew move aboard. Uh, so for me, that was like, that was almost three years after I was, there so i got there 2016 i checked into the pre-commissioning unit and then we didn't actually commission until 2018 so wow. two years okay yeah so uh so that was the time when your your rotation starts so now uh i don't actually transfer till 2021 oh man um, yeah so that's a long time <laughs> it's, it's definitely a very long time Wow. And uh, yeah, so, you know, and I and I kind of had like this, I don't know, this just uh, this um, just feeling because when I talked to other MACs in the Navy, one, the fact that any of them have any ship to ship time is kind of rare to begin with. Yeah. Um, but for me that between my time on the Ike and the time on the Hudner, 
I mean, that's almost uh, almost nine years of sea, actual ship sea duty. Amazing. And so for an MA, that's kind of rare. And uh, so very thankful for that opportunity for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and then uh, one thing that maybe people aren't, you know, it's not quite as obvious, but uh, going underway on a ship, you get a lot more places to stop with a smaller ship than you would a carrier. Did you get to yeah. go anyplace yeah. cool on the destroyer? Well, uh, COVID kind of ruined that. Ah, um, yeah, I guess it would have. Yeah, <laughs> Never yeah, mind. <laughs> yeah, COVID, COVID really changed uh, a lot of, you know, the quote-unquote fun stuff of the Navy. Um, oh, right, and it, right. That really became such a challenge in and of itself. And uh, so we, I ended up going on the ship's first deployment um, to Europe and then a little bit I think we ended up spending like four weeks in in uh, the Middle East again, um, but uh, yeah, I went on that deployment and initially they were talking about pulling into Haifa, Israel, um, and uh, going up to uh, man, I can't remember. There's that Navy base in Scotland. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but they were talking about us pulling into there, but COVID ruined all of that. Right. Um, but I did end up getting, I mean, we got like beer on the pier, like we got pier side activities that we did in, in Greece and okay. we had a uh, pier side activity in Salala Oman, um, which is kind of an interesting little port area. Uh, but we did get on base Liberty in Bahrain. So okay. if you were vaccinated uh, and you had your vaccination card, you could go on base to Bahrain. That was it, though. You weren't allowed to go out in town or anything. Oh, wow. um, so that was better than nothing. And so I, you know, being familiar with Bahrain, I took advantage of that. Um, right. Yeah. And then um, when we came back out of Suez again, um, that's when Europe started opening up again uh, to flight, to travel. Okay. And we actually got a port visit to Kiel, Germany. Nice. Um, which, well, yeah, it was, was a lot of fun. And at that point, I actually... That's when I transferred off the ship. I ended up flying out of Cuba or out of Cuba, <laughs> flying out of uh, Germany. Okay. Uh, and coming back to the States uh, when I transferred from the ship there. So that was, it was great. because I was duty free at that point. And mm -hmm. uh, so I didn't have any duty and I had already turned over my job to my incoming relief. And so I, I, I got three days of, of duty free in, in Germany and it was uh, a good time. So. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Not, not too bad. So yeah. And Kiel, it's, that's like the northernmost German mm -hmm. state, Schleswig-Holstein or whatever else. So, yeah, yeah it's, yep. it's kind of fun to, to run around there and check stuff out. But uh, had you yeah. ever been to Germany before? I had not. Okay. Um, and so I was very uh, – on the Ike, I, I got port visits to uh, France, Italy, Turkey, uh, and, and Portugal – Okay. Um, yeah, not bad. Yeah, of course. The, you know the stops in Bahrain and, and Dubai too, but yeah. Um, yeah. So you know those was areas that I got to visit, and that was again just another uh, another another trip uh, paid by the government to go to Germany and, <laughs> yeah. and, and drink some beer and have some uh, uh, schnitzel and and just uh, enjoy the enjoy the town for sure. That's that's great. All right, so that's uh, brings us to what you said twenty twenty one. So, so last year and come back stateside uh, yeah. and you're, uh... yeah. So come back stateside, uh, to Virginia beach. Um, okay. I get orders to Naval special warfare group too. So, okay. um, I'm at the, the command that's overseeing all the seal teams here on the East coast. So um, is that in little Creek then or yeah, okay. yeah. little okay. Creek. Um, and, uh, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it is independent duty, but I have other MAs that work with me with the teal, with the actual teams. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm kind of, I, I oversee them and then I, I, I'm the physical security officer. So okay. I just basically trouble tickets every time the uh, alarms or gates go down or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, okay. That's it. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoy this command too. Oh, that's great. Uh, I obviously get to work with some pretty, uh, amazing um, and talented uh, warriors. Uh, that, so, you know, obviously the Navy SEALs and 
um i get to work with them um and yeah it's it, for the most part it's good uh i'm kind of on the other end of the spectrum where i got to deal with some of the uh some of the discipline kind of guys sure and so it's kind of a, a unique uh situation um because you know you just you you hear and, and know about the legacy of navy seals yes and, and their professionalism and all that and then you deal with some of the, these guys on a daily basis and you're like man you're just yeah just like some of the junior sailors in the fleet what's wrong with you man? what you know so yeah um but for, for the most part it's not nearly as intensive as uh the independent duty on the destroyer was sure um but yeah it's still a pretty good gig i can't really complain about it really well yeah and i mean this counts as shore duty too right or okay it's my yeah my last tour i i plan on retiring uh in 2024 so oh man coming up um, in a the... hurry yeah yeah <laughs> awesome okay so this is your your final command then this is your final yeah, command yeah, yeah. wow wow that's that's awesome um you got any idea any plans of what you want to do or where you want to live or uh so i i'm uh particularly close i mean my mom lives with me now i've rescued her from california but um, yeah <laughs> yeah that's a community um, service announcement get your relatives out <laughs> take a relative in yeah <laughs> yeah we heard that california exodus um it's real it's just a different place from where i grew up as a kid but yeah yeah um so my mom lives with me now and uh looking at uh my 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 wife now I remarried uh, when I got to Nyoc. Okay. Her family, she's from she's from North Carolina, so oh, that's um, not too far. Yeah, we're three hours away from her family. She, her oh, family's nice. great. I love them to death. Um, just oh, just a beautiful. lot of fun and a lot of support. And uh, so I'll probably end up uh, either staying here in Virginia Beach or, or going closer in, into North Carolina. I was looking at um, possibly getting involved with some nonprofit organizations um, that are sending like humanitarian teams uh, mm -hmm. overseas and, and kind of being a security advisor for them. Um, so that sure. was, that's kind of like where I'm leaning at. Uh, I just hope that those jobs are available at the time that I go to retire. Um, and then I looked at, because I did enjoy doing the instructing and, and teaching in the Navy. So I have looked at going into teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a, I have my bachelor's degree. I can do that too. Uh, that's another option. So. Awesome. What's uh, your bachelor's degree in? Uh, government and uh, military studies. Uh, yeah, strategic studies. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it's um, yeah, that two-year stretch when you know you, you're going to get out. It's like now is kind of the time to to start making moves and yeah, get yeah. active on your LinkedIn and and uh, yeah, yeah, all all that stuff. Okay. I got an email last week that said you have items on your retirement checklist that are uncompleted. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even know this was a thing. I'd log into, uh, you know, this, and it basically just it outlines everything you need to start doing at 24 months. You should be put submitting your fleet reserve request to the Navy. And yeah. And at 20 months, you know, you start to start doing your medical stuff, which I've started doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it it sneaks up Hard on to you. Get out and get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> they take a lot longer for that. Yeah, coming in. That's shoot first, ask questions later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I used to. Well, I still kind of do some work for them. Um, I worked for a nonprofit. They uh, partnered up veterans with uh, mentors in Fortune 500 companies. So if people want to get into corporate mm -hmm. America you know, get, yeah. get kind of an idea of that. And we always told people, yeah, the sweet spot's right about one to two years out. If you know, you're getting out to, to start at least getting the networking done and everything else. And, <clears throat> um, I certainly found that to be true because I tried to get a job in, in New York city coming from Utah. I didn't live here. I knew a couple of people, but that didn't really mean anything just I had some friends out here and trying to get a job was like oh no that's what they're talking about with networking and yeah. um and um yeah so I, I won't talk about what I'm up to now I just basically I do a little bit of work for for this ACP so if you're thinking about a mentorship have any questions on that I can always 
always talk about that awesome. company, yeah. but the, 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 the degree to which they built up, helped me build up my network on a lot of different fronts, you know, really, really helped, um, just get an extra look on something, you know, whatever it is. Um, it's, uh, it makes a huge difference to start building those connections while you can. And, uh, they're that much stronger when it's time to, uh, to pull that favor or whatever else, but I'm sure I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You already know what you're doing. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, as we kind of tie a, a bow on every episode, if someone today is thinking about joining the military, do you have any tips, any advice for them? Yeah. Join the space force. No, um, <laughs> Uh, uh, that's what I told my kids. Uh, I got, I got an 18 year old who's in college now and, uh, and a 16 year old's gone. And then I got a little baby. Uh, she's almost three, but oh, I tell my great. 18 and 16 year old, um, you know, I'm like, if you want to join the military, I won't tell you no, but, uh, for sure, you know, for the most part, every branch has the same jobs almost. That's uh, it's true. just how they do the job is different right so for instance yeah. uh we we could pick on security forces every branch has security forces whether it's uh, mp in the marines or the army or it's uh security forces in the air force or it's a mastered arms in the navy right so yeah. um you know it's it's still the same community it's still the same job skills um so if you're going to join the military don't just talk to just one recruiter right um Definitely. explore your avenues for the other branches and and i make jokes about the air force and space force all the time but that, <laughs> that's what they're there for that, yeah or or even the coast guard but like yeah. you know that might even work better for you in your situation yes. on what you like to do uh, now maritime security i i enjoyed doing force protection in the navy um i loved being behind a 240 that 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 <laughs> weapon system is so awesome and so you know, to be that guy, to be that last line of defense uh, in a carrier going through the Suez Canal or going through the Straits of Hormuz, um, that is, that's what I wanted to do. And I enjoyed doing it, obviously, because yeah. I made a career out of it. So look at all the other branches. They, they, they might offer something a little different. Um, if you get told that you don't qualify for a certain job that you wanted to do, uh, don't let that be the final answer, right? So yeah. uh, when, when you're a potential recruit, you're kind of in the driver's seat of what you want to do. Um, so if the Navy says, hey, yeah, yeah, you got the ASVAB score, you got the you got the scores to be a um, airplane mecha a jet mechanic, right? Uh, but that job isn't available. Well, okay, uh, when is it going to be available? Yes. If it's not going to be available soon, um, what's stopping you from checking the Air Force to see if that job's available in the Air Force, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the make make the branches compete for you. Like you're the talent, you're the resource. Um, even if you're just coming out of high school, like yeah, you know, make them fight for you so that way you get the best of you get the most amount of knowledge going in that you could possibly have in in making that life decision. Well, and I think now, especially given that no branches meet even getting in the ballpark of their recruiting goals, that's fabulous advice because yeah, they yeah, will compete over you yeah. now yeah. more than any other time. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is fabulous advice. Um, well, uh, before we sign off, uh, do you have uh, anything else uh, you want to say or anything that we didn't get to cover? Uh, I'm, you know, uh, obviously I've, I've worked with you um I think I tried to ping so much on just taking advantage of the opportunities. I've got to meet some pretty incredible people. Um, I had the opportunity in Coronado to protect Air Force One. Oh, you know, cool. I had the opportunity to meet these Medal of Honor recipients uh, in Boston. And uh, I even had the opportunity, at, I mean, as challenging as it was, I, I guarded Osama bin Laden's bodyguards in Cuba, right? So, that's like, um, it's just that's so crazy to me to think about. Like, some some punk skateboarder from La Mesa, California, ends up, you know, <laughs> being a, a guard over Osama bin Laden's bodyguards. And at the time, bin Laden was alive, so like these guys were very important to us from an intel standpoint. And it was just like I I had a part in that almost. 
you know, like I wasn't an Intel guy, but you know, I, you know, so just take advantage of that. Look, try to find, you know, I, I, I said, I complained about some really stupid stuff in Coronado, but you know, pull yourself out from, from those negative people in those commands Yes. And figure out what you can do to 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 better yourself. You know, get that qualification that nobody's gotten before. Mm-hmm. Um, do that thing that nobody that that people say you can't do. Right. Like use that as ammunition. Uh, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you know, the first thing someone's going to say is like, oh, you're never going to make it through buds. Right. Well, yeah. Who like don't let them tell you no. Right. So right. just go for it. Challenge yourself. Don't be afraid of challenges for sure. Oh, that's uh, that is all fabulous advice, and uh, it it really is. I I probably didn't learn this till after I got out of the military. It's just my <laughs> my experience. My life is is what I'm gonna make out of it. Um, and and once you tell yourself everything is your fault, it's actually a good thing because <laughs> then yeah, that means you yes, have the power to yeah. change it. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Jocko Wilkin has a really good uh, uh book on on uh, extreme ownership. Yes, you know, he's a prior Navy SEAL great book so there's a good plug for that uh that I, I read that too late in my career i wish i had learned that when i was really a first class i read that as a chief and i was like wow this this is great stuff i kind of wish i knew this as a second or first class but yeah for sure yeah all all great things and uh again i really appreciate you coming on and uh and sharing your experiences um i'll be putting this out uh sunday night at 7 p.m i'll, I'll send you a link so you Awesome. Yeah. All, all that good stuff. But uh, but again, thanks so much for, for coming on. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate the time and uh, 